Breaking news, huge news, the biggest news. There's a rumour going round, started by someone who allegedly works at the MCG in Melbourne. Allegedly, nice. That Taylor Swift has locked in tour dates there at the MCG in Melbourne. This all but confirms that she will then be coming to New Zealand because she wouldn't do that to me. She wouldn't play She wouldn't play Australia and then not come and see me here in Wellington. Yeah, that would be top of her mind. I can't do this to Imogen Wells. I've got to go to Wellington. Um, do we have any feedback on our TV request for feedback? <laughs> Did we ever? We asked a succession the goat of TV uh-huh. on the old Instagram. 75% said no. That, that, that makes sense. There are a lot of TV shows, aren't there? Oh, that, is a, that is a solid no. So many no's, in fact. Um, we've had far too much su- other suggestions from you as to what is the GOAT that we're going to need a little bit of time to process Yeah, them. we're going to need to curate that, yeah. But we will have that ready for you on Saturday, Saturday morning. Newsable on your weekend. Well, let's get to Newsable today, shall we? Why not? Sure. This is Newsable, and I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. Tens of thousands of people in Israel are taking to the streets, but what are they protesting against? And how difficult is it to be a climate-conscious consumer here in Aotearoa? Apparently, the answer is very difficult. Now, they're not new, of course, but in the year that is 2023, it could be more important now than ever to do the old digital detox. And what's the worst car parking you've ever come across? Well, we have an example for you. And the questionable way the person who did it tried to justify it. (laughs) We've got all of that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. Now, you might have seen a few headlines about Israel popping up around the place lately. There have been massive protests going on since the start of the year, and they're really reaching fever pitch now, right, Emil? Yeah, so this this is nuts, actually. There, over the weekend, tens of thousands of people pouring out into the streets, uh, protesting, yelling. Um, the catalyst for all of this is that the Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, he fired the Defence Minister for challenging the government's plans to overhaul the judicial system in Israel. These wider protests against those plans have been going on for a long time, since the start of the year. Um, Critics are saying that the reforms are taking too much power away from the judiciary, the courts, and putting it in the hands of the government. And now, as you say, they're, they're really ramping up these protests. Can you give us a bit of background to how we got here? Yeah, okay. So um, Israel, like lots of countries, Israel has a separation of powers. Uh, New Zealand has this as well. You know, we have the legislature, that's parliament, we have the executive, that's the government, and then we have the judiciary, which is the courts. And the theory is kind of that each of these entities wields power, but none of them has absolute power. They're kind of like a check on one another to stop um, some crazed tyrant from taking over if they were voted in. You can't just run the country like an authoritarian dictator. And Israel has the separation as well. But uh, some people in the country feel like the courts, and specifically the Supreme Court, um, have too much power and that uh, the Supreme Court in particular is very left-leaning and elitist and kind of activisty, and puts minority rights ahead of the broader interests of the country, I think, would be a reasonable kind of shorthand. Right. So what were these reforms about? Um, They would pretty much weaken the Supreme Court's ability to review or throw out laws. That's 
that's part one. Uh, part two is the government would have more power in deciding who can be appointed uh, a judge. And part three is that government ministers would be able to ignore the advice of their legal advisors, which currently they, they have to follow. There is actually another reform that's already gone through, um, which is that the Attorney General can no longer declare a sitting Prime Minister uh, to be unfit for office. And uh, without meaning to sound too cynical, this is quite convenient for the current Prime Minister, uh, Netanyahu, who we talked about before, because he is currently involved in an ongoing corruption trial. Very interesting timing. Um, where are things at now? Uh, well, yesterday Netanyahu said the overhaul would be delayed until the next parliamentary session. That's in about a month's time, I think. Uh, he says he's taking out time for dialogue between parties. So it seems likely that some reforms are going to happen by hook or by crook. What form they take exactly and what the responses from the population and the powers that be remains to be seen. If you're trying to be an ethical, climate-conscious Kiwi consumer, it's bloody hard. Yes, it is so hard, Stuff's climate change reporting team have likened it to Indiana Jones trying to crack a cipher in the nick of time. They love a movie metaphor over in that team, <laughs> don't they, Emma? They've been working in overdrive alongside a panel of expert judges to produce a climate action report card. And Stuff's climate change editor, Eloise Gibson, is here to tell us more. Kia ora, Eloise. Kia ora. You've been looking into these uh, company's climate actions, and you've written that it almost broke you. If it's almost breaking you trying to find out this information, I can't imagine how difficult it would be if I tried to gather it myself. What's so hard is that there is no consistent law about what a company has to disclose. So New Zealand's laws are getting tougher on this, but there's nothing consistent that applies to every company, which makes it really hard to compare fairly between companies. So trying to be really fair about how you make assessments among those companies and to weed out kind of what's important and what's not was really tough. So Eloise, I mean, what is the judgment then? What's the meat and potatoes of this? How are Kiwi companies faring from the data that you did manage to get? So if you look at New Zealand's national emissions inventory as a country, it's not really going down. We've kind of stagnated for the last several years. Uh, and when you know that the top 10 emitting companies produce half of our emissions as, as a country, you're probably not going to be surprised to hear that the assessment as a whole didn't come out great. But that said, every company that we looked at was doing something right. There's a lot of really good progress, um, but also a lot of gaps. So things like counting the emissions from your whole supply chain. So for a supermarket, all the products on your shelf, and then setting a target to reduce those. Being environmentally friendly for, for many companies these days is almost like a marketing tactic, right? Like it's a part of your sort of appeal. And there is a word for sort of the opportunistic use of that, which is greenwashing. And I wonder whether that um, the patchiness of that data kind of feeds into this idea that if there was more standardised data that companies had to give, then it would be less easy to manipulate and make yourself look good, if that makes sense. There certainly is greenwashing going on. But I think what's even more rife is highlighting the positive. So saying, look at the solar panel that we've put up. Look how green our new head office is. It's so energy efficient. Look at this one delivery van that we've bought that's electric. And 
when there is no standardized rules about what you have to say, you can focus on those things without kind of admitting that that's the tip of the iceberg and that actually the bulk of your emissions, your product supply chain in most companies' cases, haven't budged for years. Staff's Climate Change Editor Eloise Gibson, thank you so much. And you can find the results or the report card at stuff.co.nz. It's online now. You can just Google Stuff Climate Action Report Card as well and it'll definitely pop up. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Imogen, how much time do you reckon you spend on your phone every day? I'm on my phone as soon as I wake up till maybe like an hour before I go to bed. So like what, five, six, seven hours, eight hours? Well, I'm awake for more than seven. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and, and horif- uh, let's just go with a, a horrific amount of time. Yeah, Laptop? Well... When I'm at work, I'm again all the time. iPad, tablet. Don't have one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got me. There we go. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, though, you know, it, it all adds up, doesn't it? Like a lot of every one of my waking hours is spent staring at a screen. Some form of device. There's no escaping it. So have you ever considered a digital detox? I just honestly don't know how it would be physically possible for me to do one. Obviously, I'd love to, but... I, how am I meant to? How yeah. are we meant to? These digital detox things, they, they were a huge idea a few years ago. Everyone was, you know, deleting their socials and trying to limit their screen time and stuff like that. But it kind of feels like the digital horse has bolted as you and I, I mean, I'm the same bolt as you, have kind of just demonstrated. So has it, is digital detoxing even possible in this day and age? Lena Weitzniger is a senior lecturer at AUT who, among other things, looks at the idea of digital well-being. Kia ora, Lena. Kia ora. Thanks so much for having me. You just heard us talking about how much time we spend on our digital devices. Is it possible to do a digital detox in the year of 2023? Yeah, great question. I think um, to make you feel a little bit better, I think we're all sitting in the in the same boat. Um, a lot of our professional and also private commitments now just expect us to be online any time of the day, pretty much everywhere we go. Despite that, depending on your circumstances, you could do a digital detox. Lena, I wanted to ask you about, you know, whether it's wise to go cold turkey if you are thinking about doing this, because I'm just thinking about myself here. And it's kind of like if I did like a New Year's resolution to not eat junk food and maybe I'd be good for a week or so. And then one day I'd go out and I'd wake up in the morning um, surrounded by McDonald's wrappers uh, and a gallon of Coke. You you know, is it good to go cold turkey or a, a more gradual sort of discipline when it comes to using devices? What would you say? Yeah, yeah. And so what we found is that um, preparation is key, right? So to tell people actually, hey, I'm, you know, I'm disconnected for the next two days, 
don't worry, I'm I'm still alive, you know, everything <laughs> is good. <laughs> I will respond to your text message or will respond um, to your email. So just let people know um, that you are disconnected. Then also decreases your own fear of, oh my God, I didn't tell that person what, you know, now she thinks, oh my God, something happened, right? Because we have these expectations and because it's so our natural pattern to respond super quickly or to be available all the time. So many people work jobs where it's compute, like we were just talking about, it's connection is everything. We're on computers, we're remote working, uh, we're on our phones. How do people detox alongside that or is it is it more about just being conscious of the amount of time you're spending on devices when you're outside of work what i really am an advocate for that we're reflecting on okay what do we use the phone for right is it just mindless scrolling which has been proven to affect our mental well-being really really badly can lead to um, depression can lead to what we call fubbing so fubbing is in relationships where we actually prioritize our smartphones over our partner so over the long term it can actually lead to uh, detrimental outcomes in our relationships and also to daytime tiredness right because we all you know I'm saying I'm guilty of just scrolling through my phone at night so we are not going to bed prop you know <laughs> early and that leads to daytime tiredness right but actually and I challenge um, your listener to just go through your phone and look at all the apps that you haven't used for two months and I promise you there are quite a lot of apps on there to just delete them, right? Because if you go open your phone and just want to check, for example, your LinkedIn messages, right? And see on the way to LinkedIn, you see WhatsApp. Oh, I quickly check WhatsApp. Or I I see my Facebook. Oh, I quickly check what's on on Facebook, right? These are all triggers for us to distract ourselves. And all of a sudden we've wasted 20 minutes on Facebook or Instagram, but we just wanted to check LinkedIn or just want to check our emails. So I challenge your listener to just go through your phone and delete at least three or four apps that you haven't used for a while. Lena was actually so interesting when we chatted and she had so many good tips that we thought we should actually put out the full interview that we did with her as a bonus episode. So that will be on the feed a little bit later on today. Make sure you're following us and uh, it'll drop right into your phone. Just like that. New Zealand doesn't have a lot of really gripping court cases. Let's face it, we're not in the States. We're Gwyneth Paltrow and a retired optometrist are squaring off over who skied into who. It's a very weird sentence when it's written like that. Uh, <laughs> but Christchurch builder Michael McGrath disappeared five years ago and now his longtime friend is in court charged with killing him. That's the subject of a new podcast from our colleagues here at Stuff called The Trial. The alleged murder victim is Michael McGrath. The alleged murderer, David Benbow. And what makes this case extraordinary is that, to this day, neither Michael McGrath's body nor the alleged murder weapon have ever been found. The trial is narrated by our colleague, Michael Wright, uh, and the first episode is out later today. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts from and also online, of course, at stuff.co.nz. Check it out. Tell me something about you, Imogen Wells. Um, are you a passive-aggressive note lever? I have left passag notes 
on cars in the past, you know, when people are parking in a space they shouldn't, a.k.a. my driveway, a.k.a. this happened recently. <laughs> well, that segues us quite nicely into a story that you spotted in... The Mirror in the UK. A driver parked across two car parks. Oh, I hate it when that happens. But they didn't think they'd done anything wrong, um, and this is why. They left this note uh, on their dashboard. The reason I park in two spaces is because someone hit my car and drove off, costing me £500 to get it repaired. So do not, underlined, do not leave a note on my window. How would you like it done to you? Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, and another couple of exclamation marks. So that's the justification. So it's a preemptive excuse, is it? It's pretty bold. You know, the typical New Zealand response is to sort of um, shake your head and swear under your breath and then kind of ignore it. I kind of like that this person is preemptively being like, well, people are going to get grumpy at me, so uh, I'm actually going to tell them why I'm doing this, even if it's a really crappy reason for it, you know? But I also don't just, I don't think it's, a, yeah, it's not a good enough reason. It's definitely not a good enough reason. Um, have you ever had a, a passive-aggressive note left on your car? Not on mine. I have I have um, put them on before, though. About what? Recently, within the last year, neighbours of ours uh, were parking across our driveway. Oh. So I just wrote a note, please don't park here again. This is not a car park. This is our driveway. Thanks. Oh, and then some one time a friend of mine parked over our driveway because they were coming around and so we said park across our driveway um, and then their car got towed and we were told that someone called it in. So I wonder if the neighbours were watching. That's so Machiavellian. I love it. I want to hear our newsable listeners' um, favourite passive-aggressive notes that you either, either read or um, or received. Written. Yes. Um, bonus points for flatting situations pertaining to food because I love those ones. I actually have a book of this called um, Don't Lick My Cheese. Um, oh, can I borrow it? most certainly can. So if you do have any, please send them through to newsable at stuff.co.nz or one of our social media platforms or on Insta and TikTok at newsablenz. But that is newsable for today. I'm Emile Donovan. And I'm Imogen Wells. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on your favourite podcast player and leave us a rating and review. It helps other listeners discover the show and we'd really appreciate it. And you know what? If you don't do it, you're getting a passive-aggressive note. Yes, exactly. Addressed specifically to you. Uh, (laughs) Even better, if you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, please do share it with them. Spread the word. uh, And you can also get in touch with us, as I mentioned before, if you've got something to say by emailing newsable at stuff.co.nz. Newsable. News that's worth talking about. If you liked it and reckon it's also worth supporting, please make a contribution at stuff.co.nz support.